just because you don't like a truth doesn't make it any less true, right? I think that's what's happening in the world is people are pushing against truth and anyone who stands in the truth is going to get pushed back on, right? If they don't totally. like it, if, if that truth totally. starts to bring to light things that they're outside that truth, people don't like that. Welcome everyone to the Lifestyle Engineer Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chenard, and today... I have the pleasure of having Lyndon Wilcock on my podcast. He is an entrepreneur, formerly entrepreneur, formerly in the fitness industry, who thrives on building connection and community, and then creatively sharing it with the world to build businesses. I think that's such a fantastic way to articulate that. Welcome, Lyndon. It's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. <laughs> I was like, I, I better get this right. <laughs> yeah. So I wrote it down. I said, Yeah, this makes a lot of sense. And then you say it, and I'm like, wow, that's a pretty, pretty long meandering sentence, but hopefully people understand. It flowed well. It flowed well. And yeah, I think we'll, good speaker, we'll, tie it. we'll, well, thank you. We'll uh, dig into it a little bit more. So you, we both played in Briarcrest, um, which is for those that don't know, I know I have listeners from around the world. It's Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. So I don't know what sounds more Canadian than that. Just outside Moose Jaw, not even Moose Jaw. Elbow and eyebrow might uh, give it a run for its money, but that's about it. Those names? Yeah, those are towns like within an hour of Moose Jaw. Oh, Both of them. I go through eyebrow on my way to elbow. <laughs> that's that's all I'm going to say. Elbow Saskatchewan. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're an avid golfer, big fan of the Courtesy Wave, which I mentioned before we started. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Uh, so I grew up in a small town and driving down every grid road, it was basically sacrilegious if you wouldn't wave at the person. And that's how you could tell that person was not from around there or came in from the city. And I have since moved to the city. And I think like, that's just such a part of me, like wanting to be friends with everybody. Cause you grow up in a small school. And if, if you're not friends with everybody, then you're not going to have friends. So, yep. so there's so few people. And I just love bringing that mindset to not only the city. And so I'm like, you'll find me like waving to people on roads or like deliberately going out of my way to let someone into a parking spot. And then hoping I'll get that courtesy wave just cause I just drive on behind. That right? Oh yeah. Exactly. So I think it's just a small town kind of value and, inter and a symbol of interconnectedness that works well anywhere. And I think we need more of that, even in cities mm -hmm. where, well, if you're waving to everybody, you're going to be like this all day, but who cares? More of that, more holding doors, more courtesy waves. Yep. I think that's a better world. I agree. It's funny how I'm from a small town too, and grew up in the country and every single person on the gravel road, you Whatever yeah. your wave is like, whether you go like this up, yeah. whatever it is, but there's a courtesy wave and then you get onto the asphalt, it disappears. And sometimes yeah. I do that too. Just wave to people in town and they kind of yeah. look at you like, do I know this person? Yeah. yeah I love it. Yeah. Then you drive out to the lake and I'm like, well, I mean, I'm kind of in the country now, so I'm going to start doing this again. But then I'm like, oh, they can tell by like either what I'm driving or they've just never seen this truck around here before. They know that yeah. I'm not local, but yeah. I'm like, that's fine. Are Throw you traveling 90 K on a gravel road? That's how you know you should drive it a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, everybody else just <laughs> yeah. Watch over the washboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'm really excited about today's conversation. So, we were talking a little bit about what you focus on. You said the LW Group, right? That's your consulting business. Yeah, yeah. you focus on helping people build brands. So, what does that mean? What, what? I know this is gonna be hard to articulate in a short matter, but what's a brand? What's that all? Oh my. Yeah. And I think it, it, I could talk about how almost more easily about how 
I take what conventionally is known as a brand and actually try to bring it to life. So, because that's what I did with my business. And I, when, so formerly for some background, I used to own Wheelhouse Cycle Club in Regina and Winnipeg. And it's a brand we built from the ground up at a time when people around here didn't really know what spin classes were. And right from day one, my business partner and I and our initial employees were like living and breathing the brand and it was based on our values. And yeah, we paid a designer to bring our like brand assets to life and a logo and like, here's our colors. It's going to be black and white. It's going to have an element of like strength and rawness and masculinity. And it's going to be dark and contrasting and all that. There's that. But the real brand is what, you know, came to life by living it out every day. So it's kind of like that courtesy wave vibe too. It's like everybody who walks in the door is going to get a high five just to let them know they're welcome, just to let them know that uh, there's no reason to be uncomfortable. You're noticed, you're recognized, you're valued. And that became the brand much more than uh, a black and white logo of a W that kind of resembled handlebars. So I think... Uh, even though there should be synchronicities between the visuals and what's carried out on a daily basis, the brand is much more the energy, the passion, the spirit that you carry out day to day with your service or even your product. Yeah. I really like how you said that. And I wrote down culture, right. Mm -hmm. And you almost think, because with the brands I've seen you be a part of it, mm -hmm. you can feel it, right. You can feel what it would feel like through your phone or wherever, whatever platform you're watching from outside you're getting a window, you're looking through the window, you know that you're going to get a high five in there. You know, there's gonna be a lot of energy on all these things. I mm -hmm. think that yeah. it's such a cool way to think about it and thinking how colors can impact that and what the logo is, how many syllables your name is, all these different things. It's, oh yeah, it's such an amazing, I'm getting more and more into that and trying to understand it more because we were chatting about beforehand is building brands and you create novelty and that's what I did with my brand is right. I created novelty because I wanted to get eyes on it mm -hmm. then to share a message through that. So that would probably be what you most want to help people with is getting their message across through their branding. Correct. Totally. And like, and not trying to do it in an outside in way where it's like, Oh, let's create this and make people think this and there'll be these colors and this logo and let's make sure we're cool. Let's make sure we're professional. It's the exact opposite of that like starting on the inside and saying, we want to have an experience that makes people feel this way and then communicate that slowly. So it's like an inside out organic approach. So that by the time people do see your logo or your branding uh, from an, an asset standpoint or your marketing, it's already connected to a feeling that you can back up because you create that on a daily basis with the experience. I like that. And I had, I was jotting down again, I had a visual so I'm sure you're familiar with Liver King and everything that happened. Yeah. His yeah. Brand. yeah. So would you see that then as someone creating the brand on the outside and it basically collapses in on itself instead of it being a part of him, right? Because he obviously got carried away with it and it became a way to get his name out there. And he did right. very well with that. But yeah. it's not sustainable if you're not authentic with it. Totally. So just... Uh, it, as far as I understand, he claimed that the way he looked, the quality of his life was directly related, related to the fact that he had a ton of liver and raw, like, yeah, and raw so his, or was it? Yeah. So his nine ancestral tenants, he said, all you need to do is do nine ancestral tenants, eat liver, 
um, raw liver. And if you can't do that, then take my supplements. Oh. So pushing to his brand. And then he was quizzed over and over and over again. And I'm not here to judge what someone takes, but and asking him if he took um, PEDs, if he took any kind of steroids. Right. And he, over and over yeah. and over again, he said no. Anyone yeah. who does that is subprimal. And then it came out that he was on that. So, right? yeah. so he built his brand around his aesthetic, right? Mm -hmm. And it came collapsing down. I'm sure he's doing just fine still. But Yeah, he probably... And something else I'm learning about media and PR and news and everything you see these days, there's a lot of orchestration behind it. And I'm not saying he orchestrated that downfall, but he got more publicity in that two-week period than he had in the previous five months, I'm imagining. And even these negative stories we hear, sometimes those are orchestrated because it's as old as, like the saying is old as time. It's like no press is bad press. Or, but right. I mean, obviously things are damaging to your brand, but at the same time, people can leverage that in a, a positive way. Yeah. I think for him, yeah, it's like the authenticity thing. And I think there are a lot of people who are skeptical of him right off the hop anyway. And oh, I think for sure. We're, yeah. We're getting better. We're so used to being marketed to. There's some days now, like, I can't watch a TV commercial because I'm like, like, really? Like, or is it that orchestrated or do they think we're that dumb? Or who are the people even writing these commercials? And are they so smart that they can dumb it down just enough to cater to the people who are just susceptible enough? Or the people creating the commercials just susceptible enough in themselves that they almost believe it. Like it's right. just, it's a mind blowing world of inauthenticity, especially in marketing and advertising these days. And I think that's a, he's a kind of an extreme example, but I think he kind of got carried away and is like, well, I'm my best. He's his best marketing tool because of how he looks and who he is and he's his entire brand and he can't let that slip. And maybe right. it was a slippery slope where he started a little bit, then he's like, oh, I'm having more success. And people just, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a lesson on <laughs> the slippery slope of temptation too, probably. Well, yeah. And so he, in his apology video at near the end, he says, I struggle with not feeling like enough, right? I can't oh. work out enough. I feel yeah. bad if I can't work out enough. And we like, that kind of goes into leadership and value and identity and what it means to be a man in today's day and age, right? Like what mm -hmm. does that look like? And I, I believe it's, it's not what's being advertised, meaning you need all these cars, you need all these houses or all these women or all these different things. That's, that's looked at as alpha, right? Mm -hmm. And that's going to give you yeah. happiness. But I don't think that's what it is. I, I know that's not what it is. What are your thoughts right. on that and this whole battle with, oh my I guess, masculinity right now? I'd much rather turn it around on you to start, but <laughs> I threw like, that out to you. I know. I love it though. It's, because in this world we have we have Liver King and then you have a guy like Andrew Tate who that's a whole other can of worms yeah. who sensationalizes things as a pushback to the way he sees the world going. And then on one hand, I'm like, oh, that's good. I think we could use a bit of pushback right now. But then I'm like, okay, morally and based on my faith, like what do I actually agree with what he's doing? Yeah. No, I disagree with 90% of it, even though I love seeing the pushback and the fight for the role of the masculinity and being a strong man in the right way uh, plays in the world today and how necessary it is. So, and I got be interested in hearing what you think about like where I guess, I guess it all comes down to like what governs your life and yeah. from a secular worldview, it's like, wow, where's the line of the appropriate amount of masculinity. And it's like, well, I, I think me approaching it from a faith um, standpoint is like, well, who was Jesus? 
and that's a better example to follow. And there's moments of incredible strength and moments of incredible humility and care and compassion. And it's just like, there's so many elements of it. And there's not just one, nope, you need to be strong at all costs and right. throw your weight around. It's, you know, yeah, if there's some strong <laughs> uh, direct leadership required, yeah. But first and foremost, like being masculine still is being sensitive, is being humble, is being caring, is admitting you're wrong, is exhibiting weakness at times. So I don't know. Yeah, it's like it's a lot to work through and it's a daily journey for me, yeah. especially in this day and age. But I don't know. It, it all comes back to that for me. We, we can get lost debating in the public forum about what it is and who's right and whether Andrew Tate is preaching good messages and whether the liver king is the kind of man that we all need to be. But I don't know. It all comes down to, for me, to who Jesus is. Yep. Yeah. And you said you're flipping the question to me. I agree. I was actually on a podcast with, I have his book right here, Bill Chan, uh, Rhythms of Resilience. Awesome. And we were talking about what it means to be a man. And I mentioned that that's why I named my brand, my coaching brand for men, True Alpha. Mm-hmm. Right? Like what is actually a true alpha? A true alpha isn't someone who puffs, puffs their chest out and has a huge ego that they can't be meek and humble and show emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, it is exactly like you said, like when people were expecting Jesus, they thought that he was coming back to overthrow the government, right? They thought he was coming back to overthrow everything and just be this, something that he was not when he came back. He was flipped everything upside down and was submissive, but still strong, right? Like he he was not gonna back away from what he knew is truth, right? What what is actually the truth. And- Totally, oh my goodness, yeah. Just because, just because you don't like a truth doesn't make it any less true, right? I think that's what's happening in the world is people are pushing against truth and anyone who stands in the truth is going to get pushed back on, right? If they don't totally. like it, and if, if that truth totally. starts to bring to light things that they're outside that truth, people don't like that. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of exposure to this exact topic, even in the last week of a friend who um studies very deeply postmodernism and goes back and reads is super well read with authors over the past hundreds of years who've been like predicting the way the world's going and who have been on the side of like pushing postmodernism and yeah that's a can of worms but i think going back to truth is just like i love that i love both words that you have in your in your business name and i think truth is it's crazy that the word truth almost has a negative connotation yep. in our country and our world right now. And that blows my mind, pains me, but uh, is a wake up call that it's more important than ever to double down on it and continue to seek it. Not just think, Oh, I know what truth is. So I'm right on everything, but continue to seek what that is. Yeah. Everyone has their own truth, right? Yeah. And I disagree that everyone has their own truth. There is truth. Yeah. How do you create, how do you orientate yourself in the world when there is no truth? Right. Right? There's nothing, there's no, morality above us mm-hmm. then why not try to get as much of this life as possible yeah and i'm fascinated by how that affects leadership yeah tell and me I, about that okay so i have a question for you do you think we uh what's the state of leadership in our world right now from like let's say in the business world 
Do you think oh, we have a leadership crisis? Yeah, I mean, let's not get into politics just yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, in the business world, let's say, like, how do you feel about leadership in the business world right now? I know this sounds like a leading question, and for sure it is, but <laughs> I, I think honestly, a lot of small business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs, are more. I would say ones I know in my circle are more planted in truth, even if they don't have the same mm-hmm. belief as me. Right? They they understand yeah. the principles. They understand they understand the importance of having core values and living into those and having a mission, a vision, all these things that would be sub layers of truth or universal principles, mm-hmm. even if they're missing the truth still, if they're missing the gospel. Um, and I think maybe if you articulate which, which leaders are we talking about big business leaders? Or, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say, from my perspective, and I try not to watch too much of the news, but it seems like we're trying to become our own gods. Yeah. Um, we're trying to have dominion over this world and think that we can control every single thing and that more is going to satisfy our needs that can only be found in one person, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and you. <laughs> Do you have an example of that? <laughs> Do I have an example? Yeah. Not in like this sense. Um, I think an example would be more broad. Like I can't think of an example of a person, but in order for a, a business to succeed, it needs to be profitable mm-hmm. for sure. Right. That's a byproduct of being good business. But when that profit supersedes, the actual service that the business is supposed to be doing and you get lost and you lose the actual impact and purpose of the business in that process. So mm-hmm. as an example, um, so our gym during the pandemic, we were mm-hmm. hit with a lot of hard choices. Like we had to close our door for seven months. We had to do a lot of different things that a lot of people did not agree with, but we yeah. had these principles and on our wall that values that we live by, even if it costs us everything. And I think that's what's lacking in the leadership sense in the world is people are able to justify slowly, it happens slowly, but over time it gets bigger and bigger. These small little going against the character or the culture, their values to get more. Mm -hmm. Oh, hundred percent. People bending at the first sign of more money or yeah. more approval. I think that's a big one too. Um, yeah, I, I feel like there's a tough relationship now in, in bigger businesses when it comes to the board of directors and who they hire as CEO. And I, I see it so many times where it's, it used to be like, at least the way I felt growing up and in my earlier years in business was there's a strong leader with a strong mission who instills values, carries those out, holds people accountable. And now a lot of times that CEO is a figurehead and the board makes sure that person takes the path of least resistance and is a shining star in the public eye by doing the exact right thing and saying the right thing according to what the public wants rather than what the business stands for. 100%. And I think that creates a crisis. For sure. And, and a huge opportunity. And that's where I've tried to shift my thinking over the past two years. I was like, 
oh, it's a crisis. Oh, it's a crisis. It's an uphill battle. It's never going to work. And now I'm like, wow. And I see people like you who are like, hey, no, we're, we're, we're doubling down on truth. Hey, no, we're, even though it, we're not a big corporation, we're going to, we're going to do what's right according to how I've been trained up to be. And let's discuss that with humility and move forward with strength. And yeah, I, I like the it. way you said that. I like the way you said that because I've had a few people I'm coaching that are in not good cultures and that culture mm -hmm. is cultivated by the character of the leader. And mm -hmm. it's these insecure, manipulative people that just want to cl keep climbing and ascending will do anything at the cost of the culture and their team mm -hmm. to get more and get higher. Mm -hmm. And we're both grew up in team sports, right? Like we mm -hmm. know the importance of having good leadership and a strong yeah. culture. And yeah, if I've become more fearful of gaining anything for the wrong reasons than losing anything for the right reasons, right? Like, I don't mm -hmm. think that's all these people gaining in the world's eyes. You don't see them behind closed doors. I can't imagine they're doing well inside. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So well, I guess what's your, uh, what's your advice on how to ensure you become a leader who acts with integrity and doesn't get swept up in the temptations that face us all? Yeah, I, I think you have to surround yourself with people who can hold you accountable and hold you to the truth. Right. And that means mm -hmm. if you don't first lay out what you believe and what you want to stand in, it can become be easy. It can become easy to stray away from that. Right. So if I say, okay, Jalisa, um, my men's group, um, mastermind group, whatever groups I'm part of, this is what I believe. These are my core values. I want you to hold me to this. And I think that that's the problem in today's world is people mm. don't want to be held accountable. They don't want to be held yeah. to a standard. And that's why truth is so offensive is because it's setting something out that is far beyond our ability to be perfect at and reach. So when we can't reach it, we just blame something else or someone else or stray away. So I think it's about rooting yourself in these things and continually revisiting them and then having the humility to let someone speak truth if you're straying away, because it's going to happen, mm -hmm. right? Where there's so yeah. much temptation over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. At what point do you, <laughs> how diverse are the voices you listen to? So that's a really good question. I have been thinking about this more. I think even if I disagree, with someone, I still need to expose myself to it. Like if I am truly trying to root myself in truth and that I'm trying to be strong in character, it shouldn't bother me to listen to that. It shouldn't. But there's human nature, right? That yeah. And sorry to cut you off, but I, I mean, uh, Jordan Peterson said it one time. He's like, because so many people, and myself included, are trying to minimize what people might care for what people think, and. He's, you reiterated though that that's human nature where it's almost a survival instinct that i mean if ever if everyone's out to get you and hate like hates you that you know that could <laughs> could threaten your life eventually and we as humans want to stay alive right so we do care to an extent what people think no matter what and a lot of times it is going to sting but i think the more seasoned we are in taking feedback 
we get a bit not resistant to the feedback, but resistant to the pain that goes along with it because we have the long-term mindset of this is better for me. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I'm just recently got exposed to this because I was posting my videos for years before, but now that some have gone viral, there's mm -hmm. some people on there that are just straight up hateful. Yeah. And trying to attack you. But I told Jalisa, my wife, I was said, it actually doesn't bother me um, that much. It sometimes it might sting for a second, but if I truly do believe where my value comes from in my in Christ, then I it's if someone says, "Hey, you have less hair than you did two years ago from this other video," well, that's not a <laughs> that's not an attack on me or yeah. my character. And even if it was attack on my character, what am I yeah. doing this for anyway? Yeah, and I think that's the kind of thing people need to strive into is because if you don't stand in something consistent like truth you're going to be in, as inconsistent as the world around you mm -hmm. was there was yeah i love that i don't mean to breeze over that that's awesome no that's good like you need that foundation uh was there a, a time when you got caught or I'll, I'll speak to my experience i think i had a bit of a period in time where i you know i i grew up with the courtesy wave, right? Yeah. Everybody's friendly. Everybody loves each other. Everybody wants to work together. And you know what? People in my small town, most of us believe the same things. And now there's almost a rude awakening where it's like, oh, a lot of people don't see the world the way I see it. Yeah. A lot of people don't share my faith. And there was kind of a rude awakening there. And after that rude awakening is when it became easier to, I came to terms with what the world truly was. And it's like, okay, yeah, we're not going to see eye to eye. Yeah. They're going to be people who resist what I do, even though it's with incredible intentions and incredible care and love for people around me. That's not their interpretation of it. That's just the world. And it bugged me at the start because I had this, I was viewing the world through rose colored glass. And now it's like, oh, here's what it is. And then and only then did it become easier to, except you know let's call it feedback <laughs> right because you're you're aware of it now you mean yeah i'm just aware that they're like of of the differences aware of that it is, we, it is a broken world it is a a sinful world we are sinners as humans and this is another thing i love to think about and talk about is all these debates, even online, which I really try to avoid too, and especially lately the news, like you said, it's like, oh my goodness. But uh, all these debates come down to like, oh, whether this is a good person or not. And it's mm -hmm. like, what's the measure of a good person in this in this day and age? And quite frankly, by the world standards, I don't think anybody's a good person. We're, no. we're sinners. Yeah. And the only reason we can the good can be mentioned in the same sentence as our names if we're saved by the grace of God. Right. And aside from that, it's like, and even growing up as a Christian, I was like, well, no, like there's good. I'm good. I'm good. And I need to prove I'm good. It's like, no, I need to be open about how bad I am. And then, then life can start getting better. Right. Yeah. I like what you said there is that we all fall short, right? Mm -hmm. And the Ten Commandments, but then Jesus talking about, well, if you even are angry at someone, like you've sinned, it's like, well, there's no way that we can possibly be good. Or perfect. Yeah. And I think people don't like the idea of that because they want to earn it. They want to feel like they're a good person. And 
that's a struggle. So how do you, how do you make, how do you make sure that you stand in that continually? How do you make sure that you're living in that way? And because of the business world, it is tough. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of it is just not putting myself in situations that I might've before with this like overly optimistic view of like, Oh, this will work. This will, you know, uh, this potential client, not even a business partner, this potential client will have, uh, and I won't align on this core value. Ah, it'll work out. And there's a paycheck at the end of it. No, <laughs> you're going to be miserable. It could potentially lead to a downfall. It's going to be a headache. You're not going to be the fullest version of yourself. and You're not going to be able to be open and honest with this person or in this realm. And so I think a lot of it's just the situations you, you put yourself in. And yeah, that's the like first and foremost. Yeah. So if there is, because when you work with building someone's brand, that's a pretty intimate process, right? You want yeah. to get to know the person, you want to get to know what they want it to look like in the future, all these different things. What is something that you would not align with? Because I mean, there's probably going to be differences. Like what's the difference between someone's vision for a brand and someone's values as a person? What's that thing where you say, no, this doesn't, I don't feel like this aligns with how, who I want to work with. Uh, I think, I think, well, one of the easy ones is what I brought up at the, brought up at the start. It's like, so if someone wants to say that there's something and then try to back it up later with a diminished amount of enthusiasm, but instead knows they can commit to a certain quality of product or service and then, and then preach that. Cause I think a lot of people like, oh, like, I think we could like, there's a lot of like trickery in, in business. Like it's kind of like the under promise or the over promise under deliver thing. And I'd much rather under promise and over deliver. That's one of those things. And another one is like, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of, you can take this conversation a number of different ways, but I think if someone is willing to, if, if this client is willing to bend and lay down in the face of criticism or something worldly that uh if if an outside entity is creating adversity and asking them to bend and go against what they truly believe and they're like yeah i'll do that for profits mm. i mean i'll say like then we're all just gonna be a feather in the wind and if you don't stand for something you stand for nothing and i've seen it time and time again especially in the last few years as a lot of societal issues are uh, businesses that are pressed to take a stance. And there's only one stance that's allowed to be taken or else you're going to be put through the ringer. Yeah. And quite frankly, I'm ready to be put through the ringer instead of bending over for uh, and denying what I truly believe. That gets yeah. tricky when you're working with clients. And if you're not aligned with your client, well, that's never going to work out well, which is why like the onboarding for the clients I work with now has honestly taken years. <laughs> it's been building relationships for years, understanding who each other are as people. And I'd much rather that than, you know, a quick interview only talking about the dollar figure and, you know, laying the foundation for a, a relationship that won't work out or will work out until push comes to shove years down the road. Right. So then what does that process look like to work with a client, start that 
internship, I guess that would be that interview process. And then how long mm-hmm. do you usually work with a client? Cause that's a long mm-hmm. process. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so far, and this is obviously talking business, this is something I need to work on. And I've, I've even as recently as today, I've been thinking about what that onboarding process looks like and how intentional it should be, or if there should be pressure and a timeline put on it, or if it should be formalized. And quite frankly, it hasn't been super formal. It's been organic business conversations come from relationships that have been built, not being afraid to not necessarily give away information or tactics or what I would do in their shoes, but rather help them explore things, get used to the sound of their own voice by answering my questions, feel good coming out of conversations, and then have it click for them someday that, oh, if we work together, because you're already a sounding board, because I do like it when you did inject an idea every few conversations. I felt good about that. So it's less formalized, but it's, I think it's more organic and it's always with pure intent. It's never like, okay, if I get this potentially lucrative client, uh, I can make this much money. Obviously you got to pay the bills, but it's like, if this is in the right situation, I don't want to force it. So there's a freedom in that and wanting to over deliver even before you agree to work together is going to be awesome even for that friendship in the future that relationship and then if it does pan out into a contract then it's uh that so much more trust has been built and you have a better idea of each other's values and you felt free to have those blunt conversations about what you do when push comes to shove when you receive criticism from these people when uh a crisis is on our hands and we have to let go who's doing the fire people who's firing doing the firing like there's yeah i think that's like and i get that that's a challenge right because it is such a long onboarding process but Mm -hmm. i like that and what you mentioned about creating the relationship so i wrote down you're not you're not having people be dependent on you as their their consultant you're you're creating a teammate Mm -hmm. and creating teammates that's much more fulfilling to work with Right. right Totally. And someone coming to you and say, what should I do here? What should I do here? Is like, what should, what should we do? Like, what, what are you, what do you see here? Cause I, I truly believe we are all gifted and been designed with different geniuses or gifts. Right. And mm-hmm. when you can collaborate and understand where you're weak and then start filling those voids in a team system, man, cool things mm-hmm. happen. Love it. I agree. That's awesome. Uh, what's, what's your value proposition? Like when you, like, what's your, yeah, with your business, mm-hmm. can you sum that up like in a in a pretty concise way to put you on the spot? How I how I help people? Yeah, yeah. So I have a few. Well, I have two brands right now, and a few different investments. But my true alpha, and it's funny you ask this because this has been a three year process, and it's still not perfect. But mm-hmm. it's to help men become resilient, disciplined, and consistent leaders both professionally and personally Mm. so that they can create a legacy and make daily impact. And Mm. I've worked with a few coaches on trying to help me refine this and articulate this. And one of the coaches I was talking with, he said, you should just say that you help them gain muscle or make a lot of money and all these things, which I do, I can do, Mm. but it didn't sit right with me because it didn't feel authentic to me. Right. Even if, because my, my offer would be more cerebral, right? More, you can't really say this is what it's going to equate to. But I know mm-hmm. from proof of concept and from 
listen to people and myself is if you help someone become a better leader, everything else will expand around them. I'm not promising that that'll mean money, that'll mean this or that. It'll mean a more fulfilling life. And I think that's what people are in are inversely trying to find in acquiring more and trying to get more profit and trying to have this perfect house or this happy family, which again, isn't, it's not wrong to have any of these things, mm-hmm. but if you are sacrificing who you are in the process and don't know who you are, is it really worth it? And you're just gonna be left doing the same thing over and over and over again. So that's what I help people do is become consistent, disciplined and resilient to the world around them so that they can make impact. Awesome. Did you say a full, a more fulfilling life? Was that the yeah. kind of a goalpost or uh, what, what is a fulfilling life comprised yeah. of? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> Oh shoot. As soon yeah. as I said that. Yeah. And again, I literally just finished talking about this on a podcast from someone else today is I wrestled with this for a while. Um, being a Christian, I thought, okay, does this mean I can't be successful in my career? I can't have nice things or all these different mm-hmm. things. And also being a Christian doesn't mean that you're going to be blessed with all these things either. So I don't, I, I think a fulfillment and meaning true and whole fulfillment will only come from relationship with Christ, right? With the one who designed us. Yeah. Agreed. But you can still have fulfilling career, mm-hmm. I believe, outside of that, right? If you if you understand these principles of serve others and create things of value and and work with a team, but there's still gonna be something missing, right? In and of itself. So that's what I mean when I mean fulfilling. Yeah. Awesome. What are some other things that like in your daily life you're like, oh, like for me, obviously I love country music. I love finding a good vintage t-shirt. I love denim on denim. What are some things like in your daily life? You're like, oh, this enhances it. Like obviously a hot coffee in a cold tub. Like I see those yeah. videos every day and I love that. What are, what are some other things you're just like, oh. Yeah, man, you got good questions. Um, I'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to do another one, another one where you just interview me. Um, yeah, I'd love to. But I'm really appreciating takes, your answers too. Just to take the pressure off myself here. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing is, People have been asking, like all the comments I'm getting now is it's not actually coffee in there. It's warm water and mm-hmm. I don't actually drink it. Um, it's, it's, it's just a show. I'm being inauthentic. It's not real. Uh, I but things that enhance, I, so my morning routine is I wake up I drink a full cup or full bottle of water. I try to there. Yes. Not coffee. Water, <laughs> not coffee. <laughs> I try to avoid my phone. I haven't been as good at that. And then I'll do my devotions. I'll do my prayer and then I'll come up. This is my favorite part. I've been doing this for years and just seems like a part of me now is I'll make my cup Mm -hmm. of coffee and I'll do my writing. Right. So I'll, I'll do a a post on social media that started out just for me, a way to get my thoughts out and work at being better at articulating what I believe and what I see in my who I am. And in the background of that, I have my worship Spotify playlist, which maybe I should put up on my Instagram. Yeah. I call it soul nourishment, soul soul nourishment. And man, I think for me, you mentioned music too, is music is such an enhancer. 
music is such an enhancer. I think nature, I love to get out in the mountains as much as I can. These are all things that I find bring me more joy in the moment. And I want to flip it on you. I'm really curious. What are your enhancers, your amplifiers? Oh, I have a good visual for this because it feels like like the things that propel you like throughout the day. Oh, this is such a good question. And I, I, I get in my head so often and I'm trying to, do you know what Eric Hinman is? I follow him on Instagram. I'll send you his stuff. Um, he yeah. does a lot of cold plunges. He's an ambassador for Ice Barrel. and Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah so he, he talked about years ago once he sold a couple of businesses and he's like, I, I essentially have the luxury of designing my life to be exactly what I want it to be. And he said, a great starting point is just building your perfect day and then replicating that. And that's in my head, but I'm also in my head about like, oh, okay, if I get up like this, what do I want? Do I want water by my bed? And I drink water in the morning and that makes me feel good. And it's that feeling of accomplishment. I make my bed every day, which I do, except for maybe two days last year. And, uh, but I'm so in my head about it that I still haven't figured out exactly that format. And I also kind of inherently despise having a format okay. because I love the free will. I'm like, ah, today, not like not today. Or like, that's your I'm perfect day then. Yeah, I guess. Right. <laughs> like maybe that's the problem. I, like, and I'm a person who uses the word should a lot. And I think it's, it's healthy because of conviction. I should be doing this, but I've had coaches tell me, Hey, get, stop getting so hung up on should, especially if you're saying this other person should do this, they should do this because number one, unless I'm in a management position or leadership position. And even in that, that I shouldn't, I should understand it. Should can't get away from it. <laughs> I can't control what people, other people do. Mm. And I shouldn't be so hard on myself. If it is a trivial matter, if it is something to do with, you know, my heart or my faith, obviously I should, and I will, and I'm convicted, convicted to do so. But if it's like, oh, I should drink exactly this much water today. I was short by two cups. Relax, <laughs> relax. Don't be right. so hard on yourself. You're still doing great. You're still human. So I don't know. I know that's a very long winded answer to you asking what are some of the things that uh, amplify my life, but. You know, it's one of them is with my workouts, just showing up like they're probably I'm usually in the gym seven days a week, but don't before you're like, oh, wow, seven days. It's like three of them are. I just knew for force of habit that I needed to get there. And then I do a quick 15 minute circuit and sit in the sauna for 15 minutes. And if I can check the, the workout in the sauna box every day, I usually feel pretty accomplished. Uh, aside from that, there's like, you know, yeah, I, I love the feeling at the end of the day. And I'm not like, I've never been a nine to five guy, but I love at the end of like a productive work day, just sitting on the couch and putting a hockey game on mindlessly. And that feeling of gratitude I get when I sink into the couch, just briefly before my mind wanders, I'm like, oh, I should probably cook something and I should probably do that. Right. I need to get back to this person. That's like, that's a really good feeling. But I know I like I'm happiest that. when I'm using hand-eye coordination. I'm outside. I'm doing something interactive and creative. It could be as simple as a game of catch with someone who can throw the ball really hard. I know I'm happy. You're joking around. You're using hand-eye, using athletic, God-given ability. That's something that makes me very, very happy. Man, there's so much to unpack here. And <laughs> unpack. One of my least favorite words 
of 2020. <laughs> Unpack. But I'm okay with it now. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I got so tired of unpacking things. <laughs> well, what's the other word that I was tired of? Um, I'm sure I'll find it. Um, uh, mindfulness. <laughs> Just mindfulness so it's yeah. so good, but it's like, oh. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's words that start to lose their meaning because of they don't they're not tied to the original meaning anymore but what you were saying about um it's i don't know if you heard jordan peterson talk about this but he said something to the likes of people fail to create ideals for themselves right they fail Mm -hmm. to strive for anything because they don't like to fail they don't like to fall short and he said Mm -hmm. the purpose of creating ideal or a core value or something a grand vision or a goal or a project is not necessarily to accomplish it. It's that you're becoming more like this. Let's like, let's call it patience. Like if your core value is patience, you're not gonna be perfect at that. But as you strive for that ideal, you're gonna stumble, you're gonna fall and that refining process gets you closer to that. So that's what made, made me think of mm-hmm. your morning routine. Maybe, maybe it's not really like a set up thing for me. I like that because it's, when I originally started with my first mentoring, my, my first mentor, they said, they said, do this, create your perfect day. And I was like, well, that's not possible. I can't do everything on this. He's like, well, what's the first thing that you can do? Cup of coffee. So every single morning I have a cup of coffee and that's part of my perfect day. And I think it just mm-hmm. starts expanding out from there. And I think yours mm-hmm. sounds like it's maybe a perfect evening that yeah, maybe. on the couch yeah. and look at the screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Oh, oh, it's something I want to ju- jump off point back there. Can't remember what it was. Another word that I get frustrated with is balance. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't love it. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you on this, but so you know my Fit Five investing system, right? Like mental, spiritual, relational, professional, and mm-hmm. physical, and. I think some people see that as being balanced, trying to be balanced, but that's not mm. what I'm trying to get with that. I would like to hear okay. what you're dis- what, why you dislike the word balanced. I've never felt productive if I fight too hard for balance. And I think it maybe it's just me like in avoiding conventionality at all costs. And like, I've, I have a fear of unremarkability. And I haven't decided if that's a, a good thing or a bad thing yet, or haven't discovered if whether that's a good thing or a bad thing yet. Like I, well, one side of me loves the idea of being content to go to a nice peaceful job, be valuable on a daily basis, have a hard stop time of 5 p.m., go home, cook dinner with the family, um, see what's on TV, you know, read a book. Like I don't like, there's this other side of me that's like, no, I want to pick a different city or country to live in every year for the rest of my life and just do 365 days in each city, be tied to nothing and and just get all these experiences and in doing so, discover things about life that others might not because they're used to living a conventional lifestyle or something that's been, right. that is now perceived as conventional by the average person. But then I have to unpack why, uh, it, whether that's just me, like, like whether that's healthy or not. 
-hmm. and maybe it's just because I'm like, what am, am I running from something? Am I, am I just not content? So I think I'll find contentment somewhere else. And it's like, oh, I think I have a sense of adventure. I think I have an entrepreneurial spirit. I think I want to try new things. And I mean, I can create a story around it and paint it to be a bad thing or a good thing. Right. I think, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That resonates with me because I think I am definitely entrepreneurial too. And I like to create things and that's risky in the eyes of the mm -hmm. world. Yeah. And I couldn't understand how people, and I genuinely think, I, I think people genuinely do enjoy nine to five that security and they find a lot mm -hmm. of joy and fulfillment. And I just don't think I'm built that way. And it doesn't sound like you're built that way. And mm -hmm. I think if we're designed in different ways and we're created to steward what we've been given for you to work a nine to five job would probably take your, your energy away from you. That would probably yeah. suck the life out of you. I'm sure. Yeah. I know it would me and it did me mm -hmm. for a long time. And I couldn't understand that people genuinely seemed happy with it. Mm -hmm. But then are you like me though? Excuse me. But then you're like, Oh, I'll do nine to nine though. If I'm into it. And if yeah. I see an upside at the end and if I'm like, know that it's falls in the line with what I'm good at and I can have an impact and there's some ownership there. Yes. Have you, have you heard of the six working geniuses test? No. Okay. So I use it with all my clients. I use it with all, whenever I partner with someone on an investment, I use it with my gym. And when I hire more people for true alpha, I'll use it. So basically it. there's these six tests that this group has pinpointed that people are, they're their zones of genius. So there's wonder mm -hmm. and invention. There's discernment and galvanization. There's enablement and there's tenacity. You can have two geniuses two competencies and two frustrations. Mm. So your geniuses are like pouring hot coffee into a thermos like this. It's going to last okay. a long time. Your competencies are like pouring hot coffee into a cup with a small hole in the top. You can do it for a while, but it's going to lose energy. Mm. Your frustrations are pouring hot coffee into an empty cup or like a cup with a hole in the bottom. Mm. And so I've done this exercise for, it's been about two years with everyone around me. And it's blown me away. It's fascinating that mm. I am wonder and invention. I can live there. I can have 10 ideas a day and I like to problem solve and create different models. Yeah. You ask me to take those things to finish line. <laughs> it's like pulling teeth, but Jalisa yes. is total opposite. She wants to take every oh, single thing it. to the finish line. So that's where a lot of friction happened for a long time because I didn't understand this. I was like, yeah. talk to me about what what do you see in the future, Julissa? What are your ideas? And she's yeah. like, Matt, let's get this stuff done. Let's, let's finish what we're working on, right? So I think yeah. that's, that's what I more so see it. It's not necessarily, because I could do, like your question, I could work from 12 to 12 doing what I love. Mm -hmm. I truly believe that and I get energy from it. I gain momentum as I go. But if I had to do something where I just check the boxes, do administrative stuff, mm -hmm. it's tough for me. Oh, same. Like it, I'll have ideas and I'll like either delegate or want, it'll come time to implement it. And let's say it's like a, an outside the box email marketing strategy and create it, shape it. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, now type them all out, categorize them, get into the software, organize the email lists, 
and get it out to people, it's like, eh, anyone can do that. Yeah. And <laughs> but, then you and send it to someone, they will. They will. Yeah. Yeah, that's like such a kick in the pants to get uh, to surround myself with people who, you know, have a slightly different skill sets or motivations. And I deal with this right now. And I've had business partners who we have completely overlapping identical skill sets. And those meetings are so fun. You're on the same page. You're going and then all of a sudden it's like, well, it's time to get things done. Uh. (laughs) What's come out of this? Yeah. And I've had the exact opposite where I'm like, these meetings aren't that fun. But we make progress over time, but there's a little bit less zest in it. And I don't even look forward to the meetings and they're not as creative, but there's productivity. So right now, the people I'm bringing on board of my team are like pretty overlapped, but there's at least one component. And I don't haven't categorized it as the six working geniuses are like, because I wasn't aware of that. But this makes so much sense because I'd say they'd have probably one of the main things overlapping and then at least one of the other ones that I don't have. So I know that they can schedule, for example, and keep a deadline and then even keep me accountable to a deadline. Cause I'll work for three days straight straight and sacrifice sleep and food because I'm excited about something. And then I'll be like, ah, <laughs> three days, I'm going to move on to the next thing. And then, yeah. So like, it's yeah, so interesting. I got to check that out. Yeah. It's really good. And like talking about meetings, I know there's times where I just have to shut up. Like I will pass the baton and say, I can't talk anymore because I am just derailing this whole meeting. Someone's got to take over. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, thank goodness. Oh man, that's great self-awareness. Yeah. And then like, I think we're have to have another podcast, honestly, Lyndon. But we're talking yeah, about that. projects and investments and team and what you're good at and what gives you energy. They've also pinpointed different phases of each project so there's an ideation phase which people who have wonder and invention are really good at so wonder is what's the potential in this why is this the way it is how could this be better that's wonder invention is i want to create a model i want to create something that problem solves i want to create a bridge between this problem and the solution okay so those two are in ideation next is activation so you have someone who's discerning so the person who's discerning is can have intuition. They ask really good questions. They, they, they know if an idea is good or not. So the people in ideation will have a conversation with discernment, which is activation. And then galvanization is also part of activation. They like to get people jacked up on an idea. They like to delegate. They like to get something going. Then once it's done with activa- activation, it's implementation. And that is enablement. Hey, I'm going to come alongside you. I'm going to help you do this task. I want to help you succeed in this. And then tenacity is, that's my wife. Check the boxes. Tell me exactly what to do, when to do it. I don't really need to know the fluff behind it. Just help me get to the finish line. And a lot of businesses, they go right from ideation to activation and just stress a lot of the team out, right? Because there's not Mm -hmm. this discernment and galvanization around it. It's been a game changer. That's awesome. I haven't checked that out today. So which ones are you? I am wonder and invention, which is why I've created systems around me so I don't frustrate people and overwhelm them. Hmm. Interesting. So in terms of conventional business roles, do you think it ends up being smart to hire 
like actually look for a, let's say a marketing person who's discerning and galvanizing or is that like okay or does within the marketing team do you need each of these three that's a really good question and well timed because i just hired someone who's going to help me with marketing on my brands and awesome. one of the first things i had her do was take this test and she's invention and tenacity hmm. so she lives in that ideation but she can implement things so i'm sending her ideas like yeah we can do that no problem and i'm thinking to myself oh i've never had this experience before someone who can do both so i think i do think there are roles and sub roles that are more suited for people and i wish you could hire based on this but i don't know if that goes well with hr if you say are you you could say do you like taking things to the finish line right yeah, I mean, I had a recent uh, client onboarding thing. It ended up being not what, quite what I thought in the States, but they had like a test like this, like some form of a personality test that was actually so tough. Okay. Yeah, you almost had to end up almost incriminating yourself on some because you had to pick oh. something that most described you and least described you out of each list or topic. And sometimes by the time you said the thing that most described you, the only thing that didn't that did contradict that was the one that made like painted you not in a great light i'm like i don't want to answer this but it wouldn't let you go on right and it's like okay sometimes this is deadlines <laughs> that's like i don't want to say this right leading up to bringing a client on but uh so yeah. I, I think there's probably room to do i mean i think people do personality tests in yep uh yeah in an interview process so yeah i mean if anyone's listening i know people are listening but check that out it's it's a Hope game so. changer yeah that's, that's the goal of this right i'm having a great time either way though if not yeah i was just gonna say i've had a fantastic time and i am going to follow up and let's schedule another one that i'm gonna book off like two hours more joe rogan style let's just we're not in the same place but this has been so good say thanks so do you much do you smoke cigars though i have yeah i yeah. not like uh common thing and i mm. if i try to get more life insurance i don't think i should say that on the <laughs> podcast but <laughs> yes yeah i would probably uh twice a year yeah nice yeah that's yep. a good amount yep. more special that way yeah it's sitting around rhythm. a fire table after the your round of a year at the golf course that's a great place for it yes yes yeah. and i do try to drink scotch but i struggle with it yeah i'm a wine guy yeah, me too. Red? Yep. Yeah, same. Okay, so next time, maybe I'm going to try to create a podcast room in my house. Maybe you should come here. That'd be awesome. Okay. Well, thanks, Lyndon. Um, with anyone needs to find you and what, what are you up to that? How do you help people? All that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so to find me, uh, just my first name and last name on Instagram. So at Lyndon Wilcock, L-I-N-D-E-N-W-I-L-C-O-C-K. And what I do now is I've gotten away from like a conventional consulting method where I help from afar and acknowledge the fact that me and my team do our best work when we do some strategical work and then actually get on the ground with you and implement things, or test things and then create systems around them. So we can do what I said earlier, start from the inside out instead of just creating an exterior, build the brand from the inside out. I love that. Yeah, well, hopefully we can work together in the future somehow too. That sounds Love magnificent. That. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Likewise.